Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm Eric Panecki. I'm David Choi. And I'm John Labretti. And welcome to the Deals and Dollars podcast. The three of us are real estate executives in the New York City metro area. Every week, we bring on the best real estate investors and entrepreneurs we know to talk about how they made it in the business, how they source their deals, and most importantly, how they make their dollars. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. All right, let's get into it. Let's ride! Yuri, what's hey, going man. on, man? Good hey. to have you on the show. Good to be here, man. Nice to see you. So just for the audience, right? When I was 19 years old, I had just changed my major to accounting. So I got an internship at Eisen Ramper, which is a great, great tax firm. Probably one of the most reputable ones here in New Jersey. And uh, I joined and, you know, one guy kind of stuck out to me that was just like a pleasant, wonderful human being to be around. And, and that was you, right? I appreciate that. You, man. you yeah. always came around and said, hey, how's it going? You, you know, you went around and, and made sure the interns felt comfortable. So thank you for that. Yeah. So fast forward six, seven years later, you started your own firm. Yep. Can you just tell me a little bit about what you've been up to, your business angle, what's going on? Sure. Yeah, you know, so, so it's no secret. You know, if you, if you look at my LinkedIn, it's a lot of firms. My biggest stint of time would be uh, at EY. I was actually down in Florida for about four years. It's never that I wanted to switch. I feel like I just was aiming more and more and more towards being on my own and, and mm. having my own firm and doing things my own way. I wanted to take care of the staff, Yeah, you know, trying to be the, the good coach and, and trying to teach everybody and everything. And then I said, you know what? I think the only answer is, is doing it on my own. Well, yeah, welcome to the dark side, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you just kind of give me a little breakdown of sure. what your business currently consists of? Yeah. Name of the company, Kapilovich & Associates. Yeah. Basically, what I do is I try to do a value-add-based approach to your standard tax bookkeeping. What my firm specializes in, closely held businesses and their owners. So I'm not looking for the huge, big, you know, multi-million dollar clients, and I wouldn't be able to serve them. So I'm basically in the five million and under in gross revenue as clients, and then obviously 1040s, and I have a wide network that I established through LinkedIn posts to refer if something is needed, you know, whether it's life insurance, whether it's financial mm. advising. So really just being a one-stop shop, my clients, and really, like to me, I just love having these kind of conversations. Sure. And that's what I do. So it's, it's really being an advisor. And I certainly also do consulting work to a few very high net worth clients that acquired over the years and just kind of consulting on the side mm. of them out, being a liaison to the firm that they're with currently. So all that knowledge of the bigger firms has really helped solidify my ability to answer complicated questions. Yeah. And also to, you know, to be able to advise on some of the smaller end stuff. Got as it. Well. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. So your, your background kind of solidified your expertise in advising these high net worth, under 5 million gross exactly. revenue range clients. One thing I really noticed about you, Yuri, that makes you special is that you got a, a go-giver mentality and you're a super connector. And to me, I find referrals and connecting people, networking, I have so much value in that, so much trust in that. And if you're a good person and you give, you will get three, four, five times, 15 times that, it'll come back. That I couldn't agree with you more, man. Do you know the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Yeah, yeah. They kind of just come back to like one thing. Be a good person. Okay. Have a good name. That pays its dividends 10, 12, 50x than Absolutely. like any riches in this world, right? Absolutely. You can go for the fast dollar. I, mean, mm. I can go out there. I could get the client. You know what I mean? I can get them. I can get the revenue. Great. Let's call it $1,000 a month client or something. Yeah. You know? Or I can turn around, and I've done this many a times. You know, I said, wait a minute. I got a guy who actually is might be better for you than I am. Mm. You know, maybe you have a part of your business that I don't grasp as well. 
I'm not as knowledgeable about. Instead of saying, all right, that's mine. Yeah. I say, you know what? I know a guy who's going to take care of you way better, probably at about the same fee. I'll make sure it's the same fee for you, but he's going to be a better fit. And people are confused. Yeah. Like people are like, turn down business. Turn down business. Yes. Because to me, it's like this mentality that I've always had of give, give, give for the same reason that I always give, give, give to the interns, to the staff, mm. take care of them. Just love that because you're a classic example. You know what I mean? You never know. And then, you know, you, you know. become you know multimillionaire guy and never know where life goes. So it's uh, super important to always be nice to people. But yeah, I will, I will tell you that one of the benefits of this type of business, consulting business, it's very low capital requirements. So, you know what I mean? I can get started. If you have the, the knowledge in your brain, you can get started on making money very quickly, yeah. which kind of, you know, certainly happened my way. I had a little bit of a hiccup at the very beginning, but it still was nice to be able to go, okay, well, let me consult for this guy. So right away, I was able to get the revenue. Whereas nice. if I was in a business that was more capital intensive, that would be scary. For sure. Yeah. I think that that was my problem when I got the business, man, I was 22 years old, right? So I had like 65 grand to my name. I saved up a lot of cash, you know, like I was yeah. not spending. It was like, dude, I don't want to be average. Yeah. Right. And I had known like first generation, right? Parents moved in the in middle of life. Dad doesn't make much money. Doesn't make I don't think he makes money at all. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, she owns like a little jewelry store. I wasn't poor, wasn't yeah. wealthy, but we were definitely rich in spirit, right? Yeah, yeah. And I knew that my mom and my parents had put all their eggs in the children basket. Yep. There was no IRA, <laughs> no life insurance. They were just totally. all in on investing in us and our education, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't realize that until I was 19 years old. Like eventually it just dawns on me. Your mom's been working 70, 90 hours a week for the past 20 years, Dave. <laughs> just step up and just yeah. outwork your mom and you, you'll be fine. Learning what you learned at the age of 19 is incredible. You gotta, you gotta take a second to realize that. People don't realize that until they're like 30 mm. or more. So the fact that you realize that, I seen it too with my parents also. We immigrated with them. Wow. Two immigrations. So born in Russia when I was about one, moved from Russia to Israel. Oh, wow. My parents lived in Israel for uh, almost 12 years, moved to America. So two immigrations. My parents are very well educated, mm -hmm. but certainly with every immigration, you take a lot of steps back. Yeah. In a brand new country. It's like I, equ I equate it to going to like France right now <laughs> with my son who's three. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and starting over practically right new English. So all the jobs my dad did, it just really teaches you how fortunate you are. Yeah to have parents like that. And, and it teaches you so much value, you know, and it really makes you appreciate everything that they went through. Yeah, I genuinely believe that struggle is good. Yeah, right. Like oh, absolutely going through like, oh, I didn't have the money to do this or buy the car or go. It made me the man I am today because now I got to go get it. Yeah, I got to get after it. And if I didn't have to desire and this need yeah. to go after and win, then like I wouldn't yeah. be as joyful as I am today. Yeah, no. Right. Like I like waking up in the morning. I like winning. But some people, they come from the money and their head's in the sky and they're just miserable because they got nothing to work for. They got nothing to live for. They got no one to take care of. That's deep, man. That's in my role. You know, a lot of the stuff that I do, especially when I have these calls, these conversations, all these people, you know, I end up being like therapists sometimes, really, <laughs> in my role. It's kind of crazy. I actually had a, a minor in psychology Oh wow. at, at Rutgers, too. And, and it's kind of coming in somewhat handy. Not that I remember any of the principles, but just, and maybe, and maybe I was just inherently good at listening to people. May I don't know, but I started to, you know, I would talk to people. And one of the biggest things that came up and I've seen it, it's that first generation hustler. Yeah. Cranking, just like you said, didn't come from, you know, parents were not poor. 
but certainly not middle class or, you know, somewhere between lower and, and middle class. And then they hustled. And one of the biggest examples I could think of, this person, one of the clients, took out a line of equity on the house that they had fully for 25 grand and had 25 grand to their name to start their company. And then they went on and, and sold the company for over $200 million. Wow. Yeah, like a couple years ago. Wow. Yeah, but one of the things that comes up is the kids. They have to understand that they have the wealth because you, know, you certainly want to know that. But understanding is one thing. And relying on it is something totally different. So mm. how do you teach your kid, yes, we have money, but don't rely on that money? I plan on making, like, a sizable amount of money. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, my kids, <laughs> yeah, they might get, they're going to get college. Yep. yep. I'll buy them a car. Yeah. Not luxury. Nope. I'll put the down payment on their house. I'll cover health insurance for the rest of your life. There you go. And then you're on your own, dude. Yep. Like, you're not getting nothing from me. Yeah. I'll tell him that day one. Just recently had this conversation with the guy. I said, you know, he can easily give a million dollars a year to his kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids. Wow. And never run out of money. And the reality <laughs> of it is, is I mean, really, who, who needs it? Because if you start relying on that, why would you want to take a $150,000 job? Which someone would be ecstatic, elated. Oh, my gosh. That's life-changing. You know, it's life-changing. Had another client. This guy sold his company. Yeah. So over $100 million set, and he's trying to figure out how long the money can last him. And he had me just compute what his yearly expenses are. You want to guess how much he spends on clothing? About $700,000 a year. On clothing? On $1.5 Wow. And every year, a new rolls. Has to be a rolls and has to be new. So we start, do <laughs> we start <laughs> doing this. Has to be a rolls? <laughs> yeah. And it has, has to, be. to be new. But I mean, and then, and then you compute. He's like, so wait, so I'm only going to be able to like... Make it last for what less than ten years? Wow! Total expenses three point two million a year. <sighs> I live a decent life, you know, yeah, like, but yeah. I'm not going out and like living this unbelievable lifestyle, right? Like I'm thinking about moving out into like this like Class A apartment building. Oh yeah, and it's like twenty five, twenty six hundred dollars a month. And I'm like, ah oh, man, twenty five. Yeah. Like my father's a missionary. Like yeah. if I sp sent twenty six hundred dollars a month to him. He's feeding and he's educating like oh, 20 families. That perspective. How man. do I do that? And so it's interesting, yeah. man. There's one billionaire that I worked for. Yeah. First billionaire I worked for. You would never know he's a billionaire. I love it. Self-made man, family, very humble. And then I worked for another billionaire. You could tell it's new money, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like for yeah. the guys making money, like, yeah, live a good life. But that money could be used for so much good, man. But if, if you use it for all your own crap and your own yeah. luxury, it's it could almost be poisonous to the soul. So I had a, a, a little polling question that I did. So if you don't mind, I'm just... Yeah, go for it, man. No. Let's start with this one because I, I like this question a lot. Let's go with the best <laughs> and worst purchases made. My best deal is um, I bought this property for about $1.2 I put in $100,000 in like renovations into Single it. Single family or... Uh, 10 units. 10, 10 units. units. Awesome. So I bought it for $1.2 million. I put $100,000 into it. Raised the rents. So in commercial real estate, it's a simple math equation, right? Yeah. You take the income. So they, they value commercial real estate and apartments like a business. Yep. How much money are you bringing home versus what the multiplier is on that income, right? right? So you take the NOI, which is the income, and then you divide it by the denominator, which is the cap rate. Right. I was actually able to take that from a 1.2, 100,000 in, raise rents, and I did a refinance about a two, like a month ago, two months ago, and the appraisal came back four months after I acquired it at 2.7 million. Wow. Yeah. So it was a great deal. I Amazing. refinanced. I pulled out like 
seven eight hundred thousand dollars wow obviously it's debt so it's tax-free right yep. i did a cost seg on that one yeah, i was just about to say that yep. man i got a hundred thousand dollars in in cash value on that cost seg year one nice that was a great that deal man good that cash out felt nice <laughs> <in my bank. laughs> i always say in real estate man you got to have the cash for that first one or two deals the moment you can do that you can cash out refi and keep it going yeah, you know, until until the bank doesn't let you anymore. But you know, but yeah. at least, but at least you pull that out. And if it's and if it's cash flowing, it's yeah. beautiful. And the most beautiful thing about real estate, because of depreciation, I mean, you're more or less, ta you know, tax negative, but cash flow positive. I mean, that is a beautiful thing. Oh, it was unbelievable. Like I got a hundred thousand dollars of actual cash value from buying the property. So yeah. not only did I refinance <laughs> yeah. and pull out $700,000, more than doubled my equity. And then I got another $100,000 of cash value and this thing cash flows. I wish I could, if I could find a million of these a year. <laughs> a million, well, damn. So do you attribute your success to hard work or luck? I mean, I think we know the answer to that, but you know. I gotta give all the glory to God, number one, yeah. right? But it was the, God just doesn't come in and say, hey, here you go, here's a silver platter, right? Yep. First, I, I showed up, right? I took a step forward and I showed up over and over and over again. So three of my business partners that I have today are from showing up, right? And so yeah. call that luck, but it took showing up for that luck to happen. Right place, right time. Right place, right time. But if you just keep showing up, it'll always, you'll eventually find the right place at the right time. Yep. Right. And not just showing up, showing up with value. In yeah. Hand. Yeah. And then, you know, what are the challenges that you faced and how did you get the motivation to push yourself forward to get through those challenges? So, you know, certainly I'm sure there were challenges along the way. Yeah. You know, they're still to come. And, and, and you know, what motivated you to push forward? Believe it or not, my, the biggest challenge for me was internal, right? Yeah, like absolutely. when we first started, we hired a, like a few employees. We finally started creating revenue, me and Eric. Yeah. And we're like, all right, let's hire a transaction coordinator. We hired two back-to-back -back transaction coordinators. And they just couldn't work for me, right? Like yeah. so, it was like a me thing. Yes, I was clearly, you know, twenty three at the time, incredibly wow. immature, horrible boss, like bad leader. Name it, I was just not good, right? And you know, I was, I grew up the captain of my wrestling team, captain of my football team, seventh, eighth grade. No matter what, I was yeah. always president of it. So I thought, hey, I'm a, I'm a good leader, right? Yeah, yeah. Turns out, no, I, I really wasn't. So the biggest challenges for me was to humble myself and say, like, you know what, dude, you're. You're not great. You're not good. You got to realize what you're not good at and work on it. So Absolutely. it took the humility to take advice from other other mentors and business people. And even my partner, he giving me advice and reading books to yeah. make myself a better person so that awesome. I can inspire others, not just be a tyrannical, you know, yeah, yeah. dictator. It, it, so it, that was the biggest challenge was making myself a better yeah. person for the company. For me, you know, one of the biggest things that I've learned, you know, I've always went back and forth. Like, I really want to go out on my own. I really want to go out on my own. I, I, I've been doing this now for seven whatever it was eight years at the time and i'm ready mm. you know but there are you know life things can you know with a kid and all that you kind of have to put that on hold sometimes you know health insurance and all that stuff what i've learned though especially getting into the role of a manager was that even if you own your own firm you work for the people who are mm, under you amen you know yeah absolutely my will take care of the employees way sooner than i take care of myself yeah because if they're motivated you're gonna get 2x 3x your return on their motivation and their desire to come in and show up, like you said, and put the work in. Yeah. If you're trying to scrape them out of the of the dollar, you know, they're gonna know that and they're gonna leave because they know that they're valuable. Yeah. So, you know, you work for your employees and they will in turn work for you 3X, 4X, the, 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 your value. And when you, when you have that mentality, again, it's about showing value and about showing up and, 
and being you know, genuine. But when you do that, people will see through that. They will get you business. Absolutely. They will go out of their way and they will do three times more than you anticipate them to do. Yeah. So that I learned with being an employee with employees mm. uh, kind of under me, if you will. It's something that is awesome that you learned on 23. So I'm very thankful that I did spend all this time and now I'm like ripe, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is such a loaded question. Entrepreneurs, I feel like, are gifted with so many great qualities, right? Risk takers. They they got sales acumen. They know how to inspire people and they got great ideas, right? Yeah. And they, they'll bet on themselves. And so 90% of entrepreneurs have that in them to just get after it, but they also suffer from massive ADD, right? Yes. To build infrastructure and have the discipline to show up so every true. day and build out weekly and reoccurring meetings to keep the traction of the company is incredibly difficult. Very. Incredibly difficult. So one book that I read, Traction, life-changing, right? Wow. They developed this system called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it just breaks down how to build a business how to run your business so that way it's not something that's completely reliant on you. Yeah. Right. So now, um, four years later, we actually have, it's finally become, the baby has become an adult. It's off to uh, college, right? Yeah. The business, even if I took a, a break, I'm sure it would run completely fine. Amazing. Take me away for six months. I almost wonder if they would be better <laughs> off without me. <laughs> you should try it, man. You saying what you said just now, I mean, really actually brought out this question that I know I struggle with is when do you get out of your own way? Uh. the biggest thing is you wearing 18 hats at one time. I see it all the time. You know, you're the accountant, you're the sales guy, you're the doer guy, yeah. you're the brain, you're everything. How do you get out of your own way? At what point did you realize, I, right, man, I got to hire a lot more people and eat up at my profit so that I can take 18 steps forward. Oh, this is a great question, man. Yeah. All right. So it is the worst thing in the world to do because you finally make money. Yeah. And most people, They'll go from a salary job, they'll make they'll make a hundred thousand and then yeah. like one year they'll just make two hundred fifty, three hundred, five hundred thousand you made five hundred thousand dollars and you're like, Whoa. Yeah. And most people would take that money, put it in their personal bank account, yep. they'll buy a house, they'll buy a car. So we didn't do that, man. We took that five hundred thousand dollars, took it and we said, Okay, if I hire this person and he and if I hire two people, salespeople, yeah. and they cost two hundred thousand, how much money can they bring? Another 300,000, another 300,000, right? Exactly. So then I took that 200,000. I said, okay, plop, plop it here. Two more salespeople. Now my revenue expected next year, 600. Yep. And I took the rest of that $300,000. I said, how do I get myself to focus on the things that are going to make me all my money, which is marketing, right? Yes. Developing sales, being a leader, put that into a transaction coordinator and hire someone better than me, quite frankly, at running transactions. That's beautiful. Now I got 200,000 left. What do I do? I invest in technology, I invest in systems and data, training, coaching. And so I just kept, we just kept taking that money, dumping it back in, and then it just multiplied. So, I mean, we've grown 100% year over year in every business that we've ever started. And it comes yeah. back to reinvesting that money and paying yourself last. Yeah, and I mean, that's huge. And, and that's my biggest thing too, from my perspective, is I wanna be in the accounting industry. I've been to a bunch of firms, I've seen it. The idea is save as much as possible on people. We're actually doing all your work doesn't make any mm. sense to me but you know what's the least we can pay this guy to get him to stay and be miserable <laughs> that sounds horrible man i mean that's the truth man you know, yeah. ten, 10 plus years and i've seen it all and i've always had the mentality of let's flip that mm. i want to be able to i would be so blessed if i could hire someone two years three years a little experience and pay him over 100 grand which is something that is unheard of unheard of yeah in the industry if they're good and they're a match and again they're going to put out 
double that or triple that, but I don't have to oversee that all their efforts and just be right there because they're experienced and they're feeling that they're valued or really empower them to work for themselves under me or whatever it is yeah. and pay them a really nice salary. And the other thing, like you said, you know, you pay someone 200000 it seems like a lot, but it's a monthly expense, right? You're not paying someone $200,000 right now. It's like their salary, right? So it's a monthly expense. So if you made that first five hundred or whatever it is, you don't have to go crazy. My dad always says he used to own his own business. He's a missionary now, but every time I talk to him, he goes, I want you to remember, it's not you who makes this company, it's your people. So, and so treat them well. Right. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. 100%. So that's like something that I take to heart. Like, I don't want anyone to come to work feeling miserable. I want to know that every single person genuinely is happy. And like, that's my kind of my job is to make sure that they absolutely. feel inspired. They take ownership of what they're doing. Right. And I'm not going to step on their toes. I trust. I, I always say, yep. I trust you, man. It's your thing. I believe you. You go for it. You go. You can ask me. I'm your counsel. I'm here to listen. But I'm not here to do it for you. I trust you. And if you screw up, good. Right. Yeah, yeah. We learn from it. Let's keep going. Yep. Right. And in the beginning, think that you have to do everything to make sure everything's perfect. In the short run, it might work. But in the long run, you're cutting the legs off of your of your team and they won't be able to multiply. Yep. Right. So if you're your hands involved in everything, it might extract 50 percent value of one person. But if you just wholeheartedly be like, bro, I trust you, man. Yeah. You, you do your thing. You're the chief here. Yeah. They're going to be three X, four X. Five, multipliers and multipliers, right? It's a great book called Multipliers, actually. It says you could either grow by addition, one, hire another person, one, yeah. hire, or you can empower and you get multiples. And that comes with people feeling good about themselves. Yuri, man, it's it's so great to that see you, awesome. brother. Thanks for coming. If the people want an advisor, an ex expert in your space, where do they reach you? LinkedIn, comments or, or messages or email. Awesome. Sweet, man. I loved it. I appreciate it. I loved man. it. This was great. Just thank you so much, brother. All right, man. You too. All right, everybody. That's our show. If you like what you heard, do us a huge favor and give us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're feeling generous, maybe even tell a friend. Word of mouth helps a lot. If you're interested in being on the show or getting exclusive invites to our Deals and Dollars networking events, you can fill out a form at dealsanddollars.com. That's deals, the letter N, dollars.com. Your hosts were David Choi, Eric Panecki, and John Labretti. The podcast was produced by me, Joshua Perna, with additional editing by Jonas DeHuse and Erwin Castillo. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.